Welcome to the 16th episode of Choice, My Experience Building Relationship with God. In the previous episode, I had left off talking about my experience in locating my son's name and address in a pile of papers that was inside of a notebook that belonged to my my dad how it was a total surprise to me because I came to the realization that my dad had known for the previous four years where my son was, and he never said anything to me about it. Recapping just a little bit from my understanding from others when I shared the information that I had found out, I was told that he had been blackmailed by the woman that had taken my son. And she basically told him that if he told me that he knew where my son was, and he was in communication with him, that she would not let him talk with my son or his grandson anymore. Once we arrived in Minnesota, I contacted the authorities and Gave him a short synopsis of what had happened in regards to my son. And I let them know he was now 18 years old. However, we had no way of contacting him directly. So what they did is they contacted the authorities down in the state. They were... The address was for a city in Georgia, or actually a town in Georgia. And they contacted the authorities down in the town, explaining the situation, and that this young man needed to be informed that his grandfather had passed away and be given a phone number to contact so arrangements could be made for him to attend the homegoing. I was really blessed and thankful that the authorities were very compassionate. They followed through, and they did get in touch with him. It was, the information was given to him that his grandfather had passed away. I can't remember for some reason if he contacted us directly, or I think he did because we were the ones to pick him up at the airport when he came in for the homegoing. Keep in mind, my son was 18 years old now. I hadn't seen him in, or talked with him in four additional years previous to the seven years prior to that. And because of the reason he had flew up to Minnesota there wasn't that much conversation at all 
because just as I have been shocked and other people have been surprised, he was shocked, surprised, bewildered, confused, angry, a whole set of feelings and emotions. Therefore, I just kept everything as absolutely simple with him as possible. I knew in a strange kind of way that the timing of my dad's passing right in between our birthdays, his being on the 26th of the previous month and mine being on the 5th of the next month, and my dad passed away on the 3rd, right in between those seven days. I knew this was a blessing from God. It sounds really weird and odd and strange and everything, but it was only because his grandpa passed away and my dad died that that paperwork found its way in my hands and we were able to locate him and get in touch with him. And he was able to fly back to Minnesota for the home going. My father had an extraordinary home going. It was absolutely the appropriate send off for him. He was honorably discharged from the Air Force. Therefore, he qualified for all the burial benefits that were given to those who were honorably discharged from the military services. And that included the 21-gun salute out at the Fort Snelling Airport, um, excuse me, at the Fort Snelling Cemetery out by the airport. Also, the presentation of the flag. I had gotten word, I can't remember how, that my sister really wanted the flag, and I pondered it. She was there, and when the time came, and uh, a member of the honor guard came over to me and presented me with the flag, I then, after that happened, turned to my sister who was sitting directly to my right and I gave her the flag. My best friend that I had grew up with that my dad knew very well, he did the dinner at his house where a lot of people came after the burial after the the visitation and the service and the the burial people came by and joined us in celebrating his life it was the best of times and it was the worst of times because i had both of my children with me i had my husband i had both of my children my best friend, my sister didn't come. However, I had those people there with me, and that was the first that they all were all together in the same place. My son, he was reserved and quiet 
observing the people and listening to the conversations. And he had not planned to stay very long, only a few days. And so uh, the day after the home going, we took him shopping. And basically, I just let him know whatever you wanted to get, tennis shoes or whatever, you just go for it and, you know, we got you. I had also presented him with some pieces of jewelry that his grandpa had. Our cousin, she was our first cousin, even though she was my dad's age, she was our first cousin, and she offered, because she lived a lot closer to the airport than we did, to um, let him stay at her home overnight because then they could get up and go right to the airport the next morning. So it was pretty much from the Mall of America that we just, you know, said our goodbyes from what I can remember. And I gave him my phone number and I gave him my email and I let him know that he can contact me anytime. We said our goodbyes to him. And we we all went our the different directions where we were going. The traumatic crisis had been resolved. Unfortunately, it involved the deaths of my father and my son's grandpa to bring this tragedy to a resolution. However, where one chapter of the book closes, a new chapter opens. And that was the, that is the chapter where my son needed to decide if he was going to get in touch with me. After a little while of him being back to his house in Georgia, Yes, he owned a home. At 18, he he, he was uh, had a home of his own. How did that happen? <laughs> My son started volunteering at a young age with Habitat Humanity. So by the time he was 18... He received one of the brand new homes that he also helped build because he had already been volunteering with the program two or three years. So he had a nice two-bedroom, one-bathroom home with a nice kitchen, dining room, and living room in this little town that he was in in Georgia. Not only that, I had found out that, unfortunately, due to bullying and other situations and circumstances that were negative experiences for him in school, he dropped out of school when he was about 15. That was not the end of his education, though, because one day he was walking through town and saw a site basically that talked about 
earning the GED, and he decided to go in. My son is really intelligent. He was testing at a high IQ even when he was young and when he was with me. He went in to this center where he saw the GED information, and he tested for the GED. And the very first time that he tested, he passed all the tests. I mean, I had never heard of that before, someone just walking in off the street, and they just take the tests right off the bat, and they pass all the tests. (laughs) So he had gotten his GED when he was 16. Had his own home by the time he was 18. And he was a hard worker. At that time, he ended up, he was working at a, for a a well-known company that provides chicken, fresh chicken for the United States. And he worked at one of their factories that was in Georgia. And he basically killed chickens. How do I know these things? Because back then... After he had been home for a little while, he had started to contact me. He started to talk with me. We would talk with each other. At first, it wasn't very long. And we would email each other. Understand, by the time this started to occur, I was no longer... 16, 18, or 25, I was 34 years old. I had received the Lord as my Lord and Savior and been in Bible studies and started to grow and was going through my growth process as a believer of God. I was at that time, I was fostering a relationship with God, through the Lord, and for at least eight years by this time. It's really interesting. (laughs) Eight is considered the number of new beginnings. On the seventh day, God rested, and he saw all that he looked over, all that he did, and he rested, and he said it was good. The eight is considered a new beginning. And it's really apropos because (laughs) eight years I have been growing in the Lord and the things of God. And by this time, like I said, when my son started to talk with me, I was not the same. I was not the same person. He Remembered, he remembered, uh, unfortunately, me as a militant, very angry young person, and I was for a lot of reasons. However, he had later expressed with me that he could see the change, he could see the difference, he could hear it in my voice. He knew I was not the same that I used to be. But that didn't come until like much later in our conversations. Our our initial contacts were short and brief. And by that time, 
any time I had the opportunity to speak with him, I would speak life to him. I would speak encouragement, and I would speak positive words of affirmation to him. I would share my experiences with God with him to to a certain degree. There was another side of this. The woman that took him was still alive. And she was, I believe there, she was staying with him in the house or I don't know if she stayed there part-time or full-time, I don't know whatever, but there, he, she was right there. <laughs> That's really how you can tell if you've forgiven someone when you're faced with the facts that that person is on the other side of the phone. I passed the test because I had no ill feelings regarding her, and I thank God for that. I could only thank God for that because as I shared in previous episode that I can't remember which one. It was an earlier episode that many years before God had showed me that I needed to pray blessings in her life because when she was blessed, my son would be blessed. So in order for me to do that, I had to forgive her. I had to initially ask God to help me to forgive her until eventually he brought me to the place where I could say I had forgiven her. And and it was totally genuine without any remorse at all. However... I had observed something quite quickly because anytime she was around, this rage would rise up in my son and he would cuss her out to a fare thee well. Absolute disrespect towards her, absolute cussing her out, absolutely referring to her with the B word and every other word but the child of God. He would cuss her out. And I didn't understand that. I didn't know what to make of that. I didn't address it with him because it was, we were just coming together in regards to him contacting me. So our conversations were very superficial and not, not very long at all. But she was still there at that time. She wasn't there for very long, though, because within a few years, she died. I don't know what it was from, and I think she was in her late 50s. I'm not sure if she made it to 60 or not. But yeah, she died uh, just a few years after My dad died. She died. And that closed that particular vein that was left. So now it really was my son and I and his sister. 
I need to share with you when I was talking with you about every opportunity I had to speak with my son, I would speak life to him. I would speak words of encouragement. I would speak affirmations to him and positively, positive things to him. It's really important, the things that we say regarding our children, how we talk, not at them or to them, but with them. There's a major deception out there that words don't have power. And that's not true. Words have, at times, enormous power, eternity power. Even God's word refers to our tongue as the ability to set a fire. In the book of James, in New King James Version, James 3, it talks about how the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. It talks about how there are great ships. However, they're driven, they're turned by a small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. In James 3, it does refer to the tongue as a fire. And I say this because when we're speaking with our children or with youth in general, we really need to be careful how we phrase things to them and the things we say to them. The initial piece that I was going for is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. It talks about children and parents. Initially, it starts out, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This is what I was really prompted to share when I was talking about how when I had the opportunity to speak with my son, I began to speak life to him, which is, this is one of the main things that I had learned during the eight years that I had been walking in my initial journey, the beginning of my journey with the Lord, is out of this Ephesians 6. We are to train up our children in the way they should go. Not scream at them or yell at them. And 
I had to forgive myself because when I was young, I, number one, I wasn't saved. So therefore, number two, I was not walking in the ways of God, which number three definitely affected the outcome of my son. So for those of you listening and you have young children or children that are middle-aged or we are to be those who train up our children. We're to hold our anger and not put it on our children or our youth. We are to train them and be models to them. There's, I hear every now and then from youth that how they cringe when they hear their parents arguing with one another. So this is across the board. It's about communication, (laughs) husbands and wives, that we are to talk with one another. In God's word, he there's a portion in in a in a one of the the books he comes and he talks about let us come and reason together with one another. God is real. 